Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God excited about this passage. This is Ephesians chapter 2, and it's the last part of it. So if you haven't noticed, we're going through the book of Ephesians because it's amazing. Um, it's like the queen of the epistles is what they used to call it because it's just, it's like gospel concentrate. Like I said last week, it's intense in the development of a believer. It's intense in the development of unity, and it's intense in the development of identity, all things that everyone needs. And it's also one of the reasons why I stood up here in a minute ago and asked you and challenged you to sing together, okay? Because singing together, to me, this like idea of us singing together in this room is a picture of almost like a metaphor of what we're to be to the world, this, this unity God's called us to. And in chapter 2, the first 11 verses were really strong last week, two weeks ago. And I remember challenging you guys. Remember, I talked about God's masterpiece. You guys remember when I talked about God's masterpiece and how that's you and that, that God has crafted you and created you. And we talked about going from these things to these things. The reason they're not there today is because we actually painted this wall a darker color. And so we put those over there. Um, but they're still there in your mind's eye. So today, it feels a little bit redundant. As I was reading this passage, I was like, I feel like I'm kind of preaching some of the same stuff. And typically... Here's, this is, I love this. I love that I am preaching it because a lot of times what a pastor wants to do is preach something interesting, right? I'm going to preach to you what's here. That's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to preach to you what's in this passage. This is verses 12 through, is it 12 through 23? I, I don't know why. I can't remember that. No, it's 11 through 22. I just added a verse on each side. Um, but I'm going to pre preach that to you today. And I love what God does in this part. I love it so much. And I feel like um, this is where we need to be challenged maybe the most as a church today. Okay? I, I'll just, I'm going to throw this out there for, my, for our people. I don't believe that the big win in Christianity is that on Sunday morning it's freer. I do not believe that's the big win in Christianity. 
that doesn't really matter. I'd love for your whole life to be free, right? I'd love for your whole life to be worship. So our emphasis will never be that this environment right here is polished and pristine and perfect because that's not the win, right? The win is a group of people so passionately in love with Jesus that they're continually offering Jesus the way that he offered himself all week long. And so we're not going to, you know, and I'm not going to soapbox it here. I'm not. But we typically have the strongest opinions about this environment, right? Isn't that interesting? How life as a Christian is lived outside of this environment, but most of all of us have our strongest opinions about what happens in here. It's pretty baffling when God is more interested always about what's happening out of here, right? This is, the, this is a beautiful place to gather with other believers, to share the stories of God, to share story and testimony, to worship together. That's what this is beautiful for. And so sometimes it needs to be sloppy, right? It needs to be slow down, let's pray for healing. And you want to know how that happened? You want to know exactly how that came about a minute ago? In prayer this morning, somebody said, I'm really sensing God wants to heal, number one. Next, as I'm leaving that, somebody walks up to me, I'm really sensing God wants to do some healing today. During worship, one of our elders walks over and says, puts his hands on my back and says, I just have to say, I feel like God wants to heal. We know what God wants to do, right? So, so I, I talk to, to Jordan and say, I'm kind of feeling like God wants to do some healing. Can you just be open to that as you're praying? That's how that happened, right? That can't happen if everything is pristine, right? But also, hear me, it, the win on a Sunday morning is not everybody can do whatever they want whenever they want. Like, that's silliness. That's just silly. That's not the body of Christ. But the body of Christ is continually listening to the Holy Spirit, being drawn together towards Jesus. Does that make sense? That's good stuff. I'm going to go ahead and get into this. All right. In this passage, we see how Christ's drawing the alien. Everyone say alien. Drawing the separate. Everybody say separate. Drawing the orphan, every, everyone say orphan, from where they had been into a family, okay? You know, and just get this picture in your mind. You know, the answer for the orphans of the world is not a better to-do list. It's not skills. The answer to an orphan is not skills to succeed as an adult. The answer to an orphan is a family. It will always be a family. The answer to an orphan is a family, and everyone in this room before Christ is an orphan. And hear this, the answer for you is not religious production. It's not do better, do better. It's a family. The answer for you is a spiritual family. And until you have it, you will not sustain as a Christian. You will not live as a Christian. You're meant to have spiritual moms and dads and brothers and sisters. And you're meant to be very different from people over there and still be drawn together in Christ. The most beautiful thing about it. So Christ does a good job of drawing people like that together. Have you guys ever been on the outside of what you feel like is like a good thing? And I, this is kind of where this passage is going to go today, and I promise I'm going to read it in a second. But um, when you're on the outside of a group looking in, it typically doesn't feel great. I remember I was asked to be a part of um, a panel who spoke at kind of a prestigious Christian school a while back. And I was speaking from the perspective of someone who believed that the Holy Spirit is real. So I was brought in for that viewpoint. Somebody else was brought in, an Orthodox um, priest, um, a Catholic priest, and then another a Methodist. There's like five of us. And they gave me the direction, when you guys speak, you're speaking to all these Christian students, 
And we want to emphasize today in this panel what draws all of us together, right? And there's some pretty strong differences, right, in those things. So I want you to focus on, Josh, and other people, what is unif- what's, what's unifiable? And so I, to me, that's the table of God. That's, we, all have, we all believe Jesus Christ. That's, that's a, the, Jesus Christ is the central figure all throughout Christianity, history, everything, that we all come to this table. And so I spent my time. I, I felt like I did, like, an awesome job. I was like... I was like high-fiving myself on stage. You know when you're speaking and you're like, I'm, I'm so killing this. Killing it. There's an Orthodox guy dressed in some crazy stuff next to me. I'm killing it. Had one of the other pastors that was like, you're doing a really good job. Like, I was like, this is great. Because I felt really insecure. If I'm honest, like, I felt so intimidated by the environment. I was, do you remember me? I was, I was almost shaking going into this because there are all these religious professors and people who have been in school. And I have a seminary degree, but... I'm kind of like, I kind of snuck through, if that makes sense. And so I felt like I left and felt good. And then I I started talking to the people from the school who were like the people who asked me because they couldn't find a me. That's interesting. They couldn't find somebody from our tradition that would speak about it because there's so many things that people want to like pick on about it. So I leave and I go back and all of them, I start to get this line of question from all of them. Why didn't you defend when... And I started to notice that there had been conversations about me when I wasn't around. And I walked back into this environment, and I'm like, this is all. Like, I walked back in, and the whole environment towards me had changed. Because I spoke on what united us, and they were looking for someone. Because the school was actually from our tradition. They were looking for someone to challenge the others. And I never, and the thing to me is I didn't even have the chance to say, you asked me to talk about what unified And people were walking up to me and saying, why didn't you challenge when this guy said this? And I felt, I was actually honestly mad for a while. I was extremely mad at the beginning. And then I started to feel alienated and felt like, oh my gosh, do I need to be insecure at this point? Are all of these people, I feel like maybe this environment, they'll probably never ask me back. I didn't do anything crazy either, guys. I was like super respectful. Um, I was there to do that. And I just remember how it felt to be like on this island over here by myself with all of these smart people and them having an opinion about me because I wouldn't fight in that, in that environment. And I got to the place where I was totally okay with it, to be honest with you. Think about when you're watching kids play. Think about what happens when you see a group of kids gather and you see one being left out. What's the immediate feeling you have in your heart? Think about, like, your own kids is one thing, other kids. That from the beginning of our lives, we're, we're kind of, it's kind of in us. It's like innately in us. When we see someone that's on the outside, we desire that they be in it, you know, especially with kids. It's so hard. You know, my son Noah sometimes, he just does things that keeps him out of groups maybe. But he sometimes doesn't find himself on the inside, and it's painful, so painful. And I say that to say, as we look at this passage, what Jesus is trying to do is he's trying to show people. There are people on the outside looking in, and I want them in. And you don't get to choose who they are. You don't get to go select who they are. You don't get to go say, this one I want in. He brings them in, and they're now your brother and sister, period. And they can look different, smell different, taste different. No, no. No, not that. They can act different. They can speak a different language. You know, they can come from a different faith tradition and are brand new in the Christian faith. 
They can come from Africa. They can come from Canada. They can be Georgia Tech fans. They can play for Auburn. And Jesus draws these people in and he says, I, just, I, think, he, I think he watches. I think he brings these people in. Because all of us were this person at once. And then stands back and watches like a dad. And I think he responds to us when we respond to others in a bad way like we do when we look at kids being left out. And I think his heart is broken. I think his heart is broken when someone who has a hard time being in groups comes in and we figure out ways to exclude them. And I think his passion is for them and I think he's challenging you and me to go after those people and stop trying to look for sayings. And stop, even in this group, stop trying to connect with all the sayings, right? Like, we need different people together. And so I'm going to read to you Ephesians 2, 11 through 12. And you can pull this up um, on the screen. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by the, those who themselves, the circumcision. <laughs> It's always in my mind. She told me I read bad in front of you. You just, you emphasize the wrong words, Josh. This is the word. We don't mess around with this. Kidding me? Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth are... He's got to bring in a professional. Sometimes you need a professional. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth are called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. A lot of people might have noticed how beautiful that was, but I noticed the one time you messed up in the second part. (laughs) That was what I noticed. <laughs> Sorry. God, I'll never be able to, I'm a pastor. I'll never be able to read scripture in front of you again. This is awful. All right, so just real quick. Paul with this group is trying to highlight a, a division that was huge, okay? And so he's talking, to the, he's talking to the Gentile, the one that was excluded, and he's reminding them, do you remember, and this is big, that all throughout history, you were on the outside looking in. It was common for someone who is a, a Jewish person To say, this was a common saying, Gentiles are fuel for the fires of hell. That's a common saying amongst these people. That the Gentile to the Jew, God select, right? God select people were the Jewish. God selected this group to carry the covenant from the beginning all the way until Jesus. They were the covenant carriers. They were God selected. They were his remnant. They would receive the blessings. They would carry the ark. They would build tents where the presence of God would dwell. They would select priests that would only be able to go in once a year. This is God's people. The Gentiles are not God's people. They are fuel for the fires of hell. This is the things that would be said. If you see a Gentile woman on the street giving birth, do not help her. Because it will bring someone who is fuels for the fires of hell into the world. And we don't want that. Okay? So this is a big division. This is not just like, you're a Republican, you're a Democrat. Let's, let's love this out. Even though, for some of us, that might be a bigger deal than it needs to be. This is like, I probably would rather you just die than help you give birth. This is a big deal. And this passage is opening saying, remember. And he's talking to the person who's looking in at all of God's select, right? 
You're looking at it. All these people who are walking in the promises, they have the fathers of this awesome thing. They don't even know what they're missing, really. They just know they're not Jewish and that they know that these people hate them, and it's because they're not in the group. And so just think about, like, the kind of huge problems that are going to happen as soon as these people start to gather, right? And by definition, this was who they were. Can you bring up the next passage, please? This isn't a passage. This is just definitions. Alien, foreign, strange, not of one's own family, alien, and enemy. These are the words for stranger and alien. Stranger and guest, foreigner, a guest. See, this is, this is their whole lives. They always were looking in, okay? And, and all of a sudden now, they're brought together, okay? And they're having to look at the walls that are up. So I, I want to ask you guys this. Just, just like in your life, just in your life alone, what walls are up? And think about it like this. Is there a person that if they walked up to you and said, I want your Jesus, that you would you would turn your back on them. Is there a person you would rather not share Jesus with? You know, think about it. Like, maybe, maybe the religion thing or maybe the political thing is that big of a deal to you. Maybe you feel like one or the other are fires for the fuel for the fires of hell. Maybe you feel like, you know, we actually have a legitimate enemy. And if you want to know a more accurate depiction of the kind of enemy that's happening here, it would be the people on the other side of the... the the earth right now, killing people. That would be the same type of, if all of a sudden, ISIS, a bunch of them will receive Jesus. After killing people, that would be the kind of distinction that's happening here. And all of a sudden, you find yourself in a room full of people who are ISIS, right? Like destroying you because of what you believe, okay? That's what's being said here. Can you pull up Romans 9.4? The people of Israel, theirs is the adoption to sonship. There's the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. These people were excluded from that. What are the covenants? The covenants were passed down through the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the covenants were given to people God selected, and it were things like land and blessing. In the New Testament, this covenant that he's talking about is the promised covenant of the Messiah. Everybody say, Messiah. This promised covenant of the Messiah was not something that was available to them. And all of a sudden, God changes. God's heart goes out to the Gentile or the one who doesn't know what we're doing and has no idea about our God and doesn't even care about our God. They don't know that they're dead to sin. They don't know that they're not selected. They just know they have nothing to do with this. And God's speaking to this group now because he's gone after the people who don't do church well who don't understand what it's like to be a brother or sister in Christ, who don't understand that nothing can separate you anymore. And he's talking to this group and saying, and I love this about him. He doesn't go confront the Jews here and say, you've got to change the way that you're behaving. I'm sure that's somewhere. Because if we're waiting, if you're a Gentile waiting on Christians to change the way that they view something, you might wait longer than you need to. Because here... Paul is speaking from the voice of Jesus to the person who was on the outside saying, listen to this voice before you try and change everyone. You can't wait for the rest of the body to treat you like I want them to treat you. That is there in scripture and that is us, but you listen first and foremost to the voice of Jesus. And the voice of Jesus says, you are now a citizen. You are now part of this family and you weren't before. Does that make sense? That's good stuff. You guys should be like freaking out. 
so good. Mmm, that was an mmm good stuff. I'm going to read you 13 to 18. I'm doing it. I'm going in. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away, you Gentile, you have no idea what's going on, you don't understand the covenants, you have no clue. And he preached those peace to those who are near you, Christian, you believer, you who already understand peace, peace. Does that make sense? That was good. I did good. Did I read? Did I read good? Cool. So Christ comes and he destroys walls, okay? The word abolish means, everybody say make ineffective. So Christ comes and pretend like each of the four, five, of these groups, there's a wall in between it, right? And you guys love each other. You guys all eat at Moe's. You totally love the, tri- the Star Wars trilogy, which is now like a, an ability. It's like everywhere. You love all that. You guys, all you do is read, right? All you do is read, and you'd really just rather worship all day. That'd be awesome. You guys are like dead set on that everything in the Bible needs to be proved theologically at point of talk, and if not, you're, everyone's going to hell, according to you and John Piper, and nobody else has a word to say about it. And that's it. That's the end, right? You guys, you just love to dance, right? And you, you found a dance culture, and, you, and you're, you're like Kevin Bacon, and you're like, when you're dancing, you're free, and like nobody can stop you, right? You get so, you get so wound up sometimes, like dancing's the only answer, right? Sometimes when you're fighting, you, fi- you dance fight, because that's a big thing now. Like you'll have dance-off fights. You guys, all, you don't use words. You don't even like to speak because you've all taken a vow of no words, right? And you've connected so well. And everyone in each of your groups is so natural for you to be with. But here's what happens. Christ sends, I was going to do like a really cool display. I was going to bring the cross right here, put a thing in it. It had red yarn in it. To, to the red yarn was going to represent the blood of Christ because it's what draws us together. And I was going to take one of the red yarns and bring it over here. And I was going to give one to you, Mike. And I was going to hand it to you. And then I was going to bring one over here to you, Jason. I was going to hand it to you. And I was going to bring one over here to you, Camille. I was going to hand it to you. It's going to be beautiful. I was going to bring one over here to you, to Jordan. And I was going to ask you if you understood what it meant. You were going to say probably. And I was going to hand it to your family. And they were going to hand it to you. And then I was going to hand one to you, Sarah. And then I was going to tie it to the cross. <laughs> and this would have not worked. This is where I was like, that was an awesome idea until this point. And then I was going to start pulling the, the, the yarn through the cross like just like the walls were going to fall down. Angels were going to start singing all at once. And all of you were being drawn to the cross, right? Like, but you were all coming at different speeds and from different places, and it wouldn't have been the same, and it would have been like you were still there when she was here. Because I wanted to emphasize how when Christ decides to send his blood and his cross to people, you don't select who it is. And you're being drawn together through the cross. And that guy from that group and this girl from this group and those three dudes from that group all are on the same line being drawn near and you don't choose. And the way that you know if you're being led by the Lord is if you're coming closer to Jesus and people. That's how you know you're growing in the Lord. 
Are you drawing closer to God's people and to Him? Does that mean we're not about the lost? That is not what I'm saying. But a Christian, see, the whole new law is love God and love your brother. Like the whole thing is based on this. Talks about right here, he, the enmity that was these laws was overcome. 4,000 decrees that were overcome by Jesus coming and saying, there's a new law now. And this new law is that I draw all men unto me and I'll shoot my red yarn blood thing at you and you will receive it. It won't be you that did it. It'll be somehow the Holy Spirit. And then you'll, you'll, you'll receive it and you'll be, start getting drawn to the cross. And it won't be because of regulations and laws. You won't do anything like that that will make you any more available than anybody. In fact, the moment that you start to try and follow the decrees, you'll start to go the opposite way. You'll start to, you, that's when you let go of, of Jesus and his blood. I'm going to do this. I'm going to strap up my boots. I'm heading towards the cross. Give me the list of things. What's the Ten Commandments? I'm doing all of them right now. I'm cranking them out. And then you let go. And in this state, you look around it. You look at the person who's made a vow of celibacy. What? All of a sudden, you're all celibate. <laughs> you failed. You failed, and there's the proof. Such a beautiful failure. <laughs> look at her. She's like, the baby is awesome. So here's what happens, though. If you take your eyes off of the gift that is the cross and being drawn to him by the Holy Spirit through his blood... You're going to look at these people who just have to dance to be free. Like they're just dancing when they're eating. They're dance fighting. And, you're, and you've already made a decision. You're never going to speak. And that's just not going to work, right? But the common thread, right, the common thread is the blood of Jesus. And that trumps everything. That gives you the ability to see the dancer and say, I love you. I accept you. That gives you the ability, the dancer who has a hard time understanding the group of people who have to theologically explain everything and say, I see you, I love you, I'm with you, we're walking closer together, and somehow, the closer you get to this cross, the closer you are to that person. Somehow, that's the body of Christ. And so for us, you know, like, I want to read you a quote. Pull this up, please. There is just enough room in the world for all the people in it, but there is no room for the fences that separate them. Father Taylor, I feel like what God's trying to do in our group, and I love it, you know, like there's, a, there's an eclectic group of people in this room. We're not all sames. It's legit. Like we have people who are all these different things. People, the, the people who came and preached last week noticed it. The people who have been here from the beginning with us noticed it. There's not everybody the same, right? We're not going to have at any moment everybody in this room that wants to worship for three hours. Like, and the big win is don't preach. Like, that's, that must mean that God really showed up, right? And we're not going to have the people that get to preach all day long. We have, we have gathered this group of people that are so different and so eclectic, and I'm so proud of that. And to me, that's a huge win because the body of Christ is that. And so we have to, we have to look at ourselves, okay? And we have to look at the fences we put around ourselves. What fence exists with you? And for some of you, the fence isn't even they're keeping me out. It's you're keeping them out. Okay, listen to me, outsider. Listen to me, Gentile. It's not your job to change the Jew as you enter, okay? You can be frustrated all day long at the Christian. It's not your job to change them. It's your job to listen to Jesus about who he says you are. 
and then he'll change them. Listen to me, you who are Jew and have done this your whole life, and you understand, and you're so frustrated with the people who won't go deeper, and you're so frustrated that how can that person even be here? God's saying to you, that's exactly why you exist. You have to invite them in. And I don't know if this is going to be a good challenge for you, but this passage, one of the, one of the main things that jumped out to me, and one of the, one of the translations says, and the so-called circumcised, right? And, and calling someone uncircumcised in this time was, was a, like a slur. He'd be like, hey, what's up, dude? You uncircumcised dude? And he would be like, whoa, calm down, buddy. When to us, it's like a crazy weird thing, right? Like, we're pretty glad that that's not still happening. Like, membership track 201 here at River City. You guys are going to read John. We're going to circumcise you. And then you're out. Because that's not happening, right? Because it was a slur. Because listen, here's what happened before Jesus came. There were things that had to be done in the flesh, legitimately actual flesh, for you to be a part of that. They had to cut you. Okay? And picture in your brain. This stopped here. This stopped here. Can you bring up the passage about circumcision of the heart? It stopped and it changed. And it talked about circumcising your heart. And the best picture I can get of this is whatever flesh might exist in your heart that says, I'm better than you, is being cut with a scalpel. And there are people in here who actually do this for a living. And I'm probably not right about this. But the metaphor is true. The heart now. The heart now. It's not about what you do in the flesh. And so we have to look around, okay? And we have to look at the people around us, and we have to listen to the voices. This is, this is the challenge for you today. Is there a voice in your head that speaks to you from the version of the circumcised? Are you still on the outside? Okay, this is the first one. This is big. If you feel like you're on the outside of any of the covenants, if you feel like you're on the outside of any of the Messiah's promises that you will be his, your sons and daughters, if you feel like that, you're not listening to Jesus. If there are people in this room that frustrate you to the point of no end, if there are people in other churches that are frustrating you because you feel like they're keeping you away, stop listening to them. Stop listening to whatever voice is speaking to you that you have no right. Jesus says, I am telling you, I sent my blood to you to tell you the truth. And he screams it out of us. And then don't build fences around it. Don't build fences around it. This is the best picture I can get of this understanding. It's like going to the Marietta Country Club and them all running out of the country club telling everybody in the area, you can now come in for free. It's them running to the seven trailer parks near them and saying, everyone here can come. No pay. Nobody has to pay. You can play golf. It's the easiest course on the planet, by the way. You can come in and eat the buffets. Everyone here, everyone in our city, come and join our country club. And then they get there, and they're all looking at each other, right? Like, you guys are all from a trailer park, right? We are. You guys are all living in million-dollar homes, right? We are. What do we do now? What do we do? And I feel like that's the challenge of the Lord for us today. Where do you find yourself on the end of that, you know? Because Christ is very passionate about finding the alien and loving him. And I'm not going to start talking about like our borders and stuff like that. But I can promise you this. If there's any border that Jesus ever would have wanted to close, it would have been what he loved the most, and that's the kingdom of heaven. 
and he opened his borders. And I'm thankful because I'm definitely an alien. (laughs) And if there's any alien he would want to keep out, it would be those. And he screams to us, tear down your fences, open up your homes. God's desire for you is that you see someone who is lost and empty and broken and doesn't have a community, and you open up your home to them. That there's a place at your table. That when someone walks by at night, you don't draw your blinds, and you look at the alien and say, no more. It's not, and just back to the beginning, it's not about a pristine Sunday morning experience. It's not if we're all worshiping like Bethel, if we're all reading the Bible, Bible like Piper. It's will you invite someone into your home to eat at your table? Will you say to someone who has no one that loves them, you can stay at my house? That's the kingdom of heaven. Where you go from foreigner to family. Bravo to all of you that invite people into your homes and that make time to love people. Because it's easy to be American and not do that. Bravo. The alien needs a place. The foreigner needs a place. Stop building walls. Da-da-da-da-da. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, then I'm going to be done. You can pull this up. Beautiful slide. It's an awesome slide. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. What kind of a family member are you, you know? What kind of a family member are we? When people come over, do we want to be in our bedroom? Do we act like we don't want company? Do we drive in our garages and close the door? Is our front door open? Do we sit on the porch and let people come by? Do we get ticked when people stop by? Because Christianity really boils down to are you available to others, you know? Are you available to others? Not are they fueling your dream, okay? American Christian, Christian who's heard the prosperity gospel, they're not there to support your dream, okay? You're there to serve them. I'm here to serve you. When I pray, help me serve the people here. You're not here to build my dream or build my platform. I'm here to look at each one of you and say, Father, how would you desire them to grow? And my job is to come alongside you and serve in every way I can. Your job is to look at everyone that comes in your life the same way. Does that make sense? Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is being joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives in his spirit. So prayer teams, could you come up? And today as we go into prayer, we, we kind of planned earlier we weren't going to have a stop prayer time, but we did and it happened and I love that it did and I felt like it was God. But here we want you to know what this time is for. Each service, it kind of feels like we get to this point and it feels like we want to get the one song in and get out of here, okay? You don't need to feel like that. If you have anything that needs to be prayed about, not just something relating to these messages, if it's healing, if it's a toothache, if it's a job situation, if it's a family member, we long for you to take advantage of these people right now. Please take advantage of them and think about it like that. Meet with them. Pray with them. We're going to open up services at the end, and if you're, if you're one of those people who just has to go, We understand that, but we want you to know that at the end of services, we're going to open this up and we're going to allow it to stay, okay? You can stay and pray as long as you like. Does that make sense? Is everybody good with that? So here's your challenge as as you stand. You can stand with me.
Lord, we just we want to we want to keep an invitation of you just leading us. You know, we we want to keep through your word, which is definitely alive and and sharp. And, and I know that you've spoke deeply to me through chapters one and two. Today, as we pray, God, I pray that you would allow the alien in this room that feels like I'm definitely out on the outside to understand that you're telling them, just hear this. Jesus is telling you personally, you are a part of my family. You are in my household. You are not a stranger to the covenants anymore. The Messiah is here for you. You don't have to wait till Christians accept you. You don't have to wait till Christians become what you want them to become. That is for you. God, there's people in this room that need to forgive the body of Christ for making them feel like an alien. And let them off the hook. And turn your eyes to Jesus. There are people right now, I'm praying, and you still have bitterness about something that happened in your life, in church. Through spiritual leadership, you still feel like you were abused. And your job is not to find them and change them. Your job is to shift your eyes to Jesus. He always wanted to be the one telling you anyway. You are a part of my family. Do not listen to the voices from your past. Your heart is speaking from a circumcised point of view in the flesh when you don't even need to listen to it anymore. You listen now to Jesus. I just believe God wants to do some inner healing with people who have been abused in the past situations. And as you come pray, don't let it be a litany of attack against those people. You're to let them off the hook. And Jesus, I, pr I pray that you would replace that with a love, God, for the people that hurt them. Yeah, and listen, somebody in this room, there needs to be some boldness in this room. There's some people in this room that, that truly have uh, alienated people. And you even think of the person in your mind as I'm saying it. And you're like, maybe not them. Maybe they're supposed to be alienated. That's probably one Jesus wants me to alienate. Jesus came to remove the fences. It's only good if it's undeserved. That's, that's what makes people come to know him, is this different not giving what you deserve. You may need to, to find somebody and apologize. There's some people maybe you have excluded and said, you are not going to be a part of this. I will not forgive you. I will not let this go. Jesus wants to lead you with peace because that's what you've traded to hold on to that. And so for some of you today, you need to say sorry to someone. I'm sorry I did that. I'm sorry I've excluded you. And maybe just through prayer. And then there's a few people in here, and this is going to be the last thing, that are not a part of God's household, have always wanted to be, and just didn't understand how it worked. And he's saying, welcome home, son and daughter. There can be no work to get you across the doorway. He, like a husband carrying a bride across the threshold, has to be the one. And you can't carry him across. That's, that's stupid. The husband carries the bride across. The bride has to be carried. He wants to carry you across right now. <laughs> I'm not trying to be freaky with some of you. You're going to think this is freaky. I picture some of you who had previously been wearing dark clothes that have been stained with sin. And, and, and in my mind's eye right now, you're being covered with wedding, a wedding gown. You're being covered with completely cleaned in the blood of Christ. And you, and you can even, in your mind's eye right now, label sins that are large. And he's saying... Wash. He just washed them away. 
He's just washing things away that you deserve to be punished for, that you actually did. That wasn't a mistake. It was a decision. You did these things. You chose them. You even, you planned them. And he's looking at you saying, I want you to see me wash those clean. I'm carrying you now across the, across the threshold. You're a part of my family. I accept you. I adopt you, not for works, but so that you can be in my family. He wants you in his family. He's not asking you to perform. A good son knows his father loves him and wants to go. A good daughter knows their father and mother love them and they desire to go. And today he's, he's, he's cleansing some of you and giving you new clothes. I'm going to keep going in some prayer. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Some of you have broken limbs and in, in in, in, in you're, you're broken to the point of it feels like, like you're looking at your arm and like this is not even a workable arm. How can you even, and it's being healed like that, like straightening back up and you're able to move and you're and in the spirit you're able to walk and, and you're, your hearts are being full of his blood again and blood is pumping through your body. You can see clearly, you can see clearly what he's saying. He's bringing you to life. He's bringing you in his family. He's gathered you all around a table. He's saying, sit and eat with me. Sit and dine. I did this for you. I, my body was broken for you. My blood is for your forgiveness. Drink deep. Eat of my flesh. Be a part of my family. Consequently, we'll have communion open during prayer. For the next few moments, respond to the Lord as he leads. And let us love you well. Jesus, I thank you for this group of people, and I pray your blessings would pour over them this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Now great is our God. Sing me how great is our God. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.